Hello and welcome to Real Talk. I'm your host Katie Payne and today I'm joined by Matthew Tyrrell once again. <laughs> We're back again and I know we've been away for a while but if you weren't aware the world went into a global shutdown due to a nasty little virus that's been going around for a bit so apologies for the lack of episodes. I think the last one I recorded was back in May. But now we're back together. We are indeed. And today, again, I we are a little bit behind because it is July. And what we're going to talk about today finished on May the 4th. We're talking about Clone Wars today. And I'm going to hold my hands up to say that I only finished it yesterday. In all fairness, Hamilton did come out recently and you are the biggest Hamilton fan. So obviously that's going to take priority. It's a problem. I have an issue. <laughs> but I'm willing to admit it. It's the first step. So today we are going to be giving our reviews and our thoughts on season seven, how it's come back after, what was it, four years? Six years, I believe, because season six came out in 2014. Which is crazy. We're so excited to talk about it. We're also going to be talking about the links to the prequels that we found and also upcoming shows that are going to be featuring Clone Wars characters. Yes. We've got some really exciting news to talk about with what's coming up with Disney+. Plus and Star Wars, so are you ready to get started? Oh yeah. Let's do it! So the first thing we've got to talk about, because it's been six years between the animations and also 12 years since Clone Wars, the film, and the first season came out, the animation is stunning. Yep. It looks real at some points. You do have to do a double take and go, this is a, well, it's originally marketed as a, as a kid's show, but the quality is through the roof. It's crazy. So I feel that that's something that I was really excited to see because I watched Clone Wars when I was back in middle school. Yeah. And to see where animation's gone particularly with now they've got all the Disney money behind them they had a lot of money anyway but to have kind of that extra boost and now we have like 4k TVs and all the tech I just my mind was blown watching it but Matt what was your like quick mini review of season 7 season 7 well I I was glad that they've basically concluded the entire um, sort of Clone Wars era so that I was really happy about. And, you know, it was... It's one of my favourite seasons because it clearly, halfway through, ties in with Revenge of the Sith. Massively. And you can see that from certain scenes as the as this series intertwines with certain scenes that happen throughout the films. I'm not going to spoil that for anybody. Um, and it's the whole... For anybody who knows what happens but might not have seen it yet, and obviously for anybody who has seen it, we know the Siege of Mandalore happens in this season. And that is happening alongside the Battle of Coruscant that we see at the beginning of Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. That is... It is pretty amazing. And actually, I'm going to say this now because even though you said we won't spoil anything, this is a spoilery episode. You've seen the title. You know what you're getting into. (laughs) Yes. But I loved how this season, you're right, it actually did tie in to Revenge of the Sith. And it's that sequence with um, with Master Windu saying, uh, I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. That is actually the sequence yeah. from Revenge of the Sith. It is. Uh, the scene that happens in the film is a conversation between Mace Windu, Yoda, 
Ki Adimandi and I believe Ayla Sakura. And it's when I think Anakin comes up and he said and he and he informs them of something. I can't remember what he says. That's the Chancellor, I think. Yeah. And Mace Windu says, I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. And to which Ki Adimandi replies, If he does not surrender his emergency powers, once Grievous is killed, he must be removed from office. And then the convers- then you obviously know the conversation that happens with that. That's actually that beg your pardon, that's actually shown in the Clone Wars and it intertwines with Ahsoka coming in yeah. to inform them of her progress on Mandalore, which we, I thought was absolutely amazing. We get to see both sides of it, which is obviously something that Lucas wasn't intending when we had um, Revenge of the Sith come out in, what, 2005? So yes. we, we now get to see the other side of it and actually how Dave Filoni was able to tie everything in together really well. There is there is also the scene in which um, they're on Mandalore and Obi-Wan, well, Ahsoka calls Obi-Wan, has a little chat with her, mm-hmm. and, you know, they talk about Anakin killing Dooku. Um, they talk about Darth Sidious, who they think he is. And that's when Obi-Wan says, right, I've got to go hunt Grievous on Utapau. And he also mentions that Anakin's been put on a secret spying mission. He does, for yes, he does. Yeah. So we're really getting everything in just twelve episodes. We're getting tie-ins to a two-hour film with additional yeah. content. Learning where Ahsoka's been this whole time. She's not been on the run. She's trying to somehow get these, like yeah. her speeder bike back up. I mean, the the only other show that I can think of that is has been really clever with intertwining with a series of films is Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Up to about season six, the crossovers with the films has been amazing. And Clone Wars, I feel, has done that so well with episode three, Revenge of the Sith. And obviously with our Lord and Saviour, De- Dave, <laughs> Lord and Saviour Dave Filoni we at love. the helm. Um, you know Star Wars is in good hands and it's done incredibly well. I think what I really like the most about it is when we were kids, we were born in the 90s, so this, to us, pre- prequels was our first exposure to Star yeah. Wars. This yeah. was our Star Wars and we faced a lot of hate. And I'm, I'm going to put my hands up and say for a while, I was part of it because I was part of the kind of, oh, well, you have to hate the prequels. You just have to hate the prequels. I never gave in to that no. pressure. I will always be an avid defender of the prequels. Whilst they may not be perfect films, I am an avid defender. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what's happened is now is that because all the, ki- all the people that were kids when the prequels came out, and now we have the sequels, we have more content coming out. We're not afraid to be like, no, we grew up on episodes one through three yeah we don't really talk about episode one in my opinion apart from the the mall fight so that was really for me i thought it was really exciting to be able to see things come back from our childhood like seeing places like coruscant more often naboo which you did not get to see in the originals or in the sequels very brief shot of coruscant in the sequels but i think what i love about this show is that it reminds you of why this era of Star Wars is so different to any of the other eras of Star Wars and it kind of gives me a PG Game of Thrones vibe in terms yeah. of the plotting, the scheming which is why I think a lot of people were a bit shook at the first 
point when the prequels came out because there was a lot of politics. Yeah. And it wasn't the action, smuggling, rogue, you know, adventure film. It was a lot more detailed. Well, I was told by my brother that I think the extended cut of The Phantom Menace, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to have to research this. I beg your pardon. The extended cut of The Phantom Menace is a lot better because it does explore more of the political side into the events that are happening. Oh, that'd be good. And also as well, I think what's with Clone Wars, I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's legitimised the prequels more to more older OG fans. It really has. Because we have this incredible writing, which we didn't get in the prequels. I will say the the writing was bad. (laughs) It it was bad. I think the problem that Lucas faced was he had to explain a completely new era of Star Wars in only three films that are about two hours and several minutes long. Um, you know, the, which is why the Clone Wars allowed him to explore so much within that era that he couldn't... Because, you know, obviously you can do so much with films. With a series, you can do so much more. Yeah. And what I'm particularly speaking about is Anakin's turn to the dark side. Yes, oh my gosh, in, Clone Wars it does yeah. it so well. In Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, it's kind of explained what happens, you know, with his mother, with him losing his mother, him getting visions of Padme dying at childbirth. I'm guessing orchestrated, well, orchestrated by, by Palpatine. Palpatine himself. But Clone Wars actually explains and it builds up his turn to the dark side. And there are several things that happen throughout the series that make you go, okay, I can understand why Anakin feels that way towards what's happened and why he wants to turn his back on the Jedi eventually and turns to the dark side. And I think the thing that happens in Clone Wars that isn't explained in the in the prequel films, because in the prequel films we know Padme was obviously probably the biggest driving force behind that was his love for his wife. My opinion is that he really starts to mistrust the Jedi and the turn begins the end of season five when Ahsoka leaves. Yes. Because they literally turned their backs on his Padawan, on someone who he considered his little sister. She even says when she's on the run and uh, one of the Martez sisters says, oh, where did you you learn to do that? Oh, my older brother taught me. And you see their connection there. And I think it's what, really tears Anakin apart from the inside and it's what starts to make him go what are the Jedi doing? What is this? How can I be in this religion, in this order? You can understand why he would feel quite bitter towards particularly the Jedi Council. 100% and we see that in season 7 when they're reunited because Anakin is, and it made my little heart sing to see him be so excited to see Ahsoka again. Yeah, He you know, he's all beaming when they're seeing him on the, on the, um, I think they're called the hollow net or something like that. Or yes. Like, on the, um, the, like like the space image. I don't yeah. know what it's called. Space force time or something. And then when sees in person, I think he just wants to give her a hug, but, but she's still very reserved. She's very concerned about things and wants to be good and wants to kind of remain as this, um, like neutral figurehead. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think Clone Wars really shows Anakin's turn so much better. And it's a bit like, it's the way that I would suggest it is, if you've seen, again, I'm going to raise Game of Thrones as a point here, when I'm calling it Danny goes to the dark side and she turns and it's like a snap second decision. She goes from, 
I'm going to be a queen and rule of the people too. Let's murder everyone up in here. Yep. Um, it kind of feels a bit like that in the prequels, not as much because you do see Palpatine laying the seeds. But it, I like it as well. It explains that Palpatine's been grooming him as yeah. well. I, th- I think you know from the prequels that Anakin has always harboured a great deal of anger and a great deal of emotions that make you think, how have the Jedi not seen this as a red flag? Boy has anger issues. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't just kill the men, he killed the women and the children too. I think it was raised by, I think, a, I can't remember their position, um, that Anakin has borderline personality disorder. It was something we read about that. Yeah. So, Show that it was like that was something I read in the Revenge of the Sith trivia on IMDb. I'll have to double check that fact. It was something that they were like psychologists had looked into him. Yes, and what they they thought he had borderline personality disorder. Again, don't quote us on that. Look it up on IMDb. I'll put the link in the description. Why not? Type in Revenge of the Sith trivia, and it will come up with an IMDb link on Google. Mm. Something else I want to look at here because we've rambled on a bit about Anakin, but I want to talk about. The big event that we were waiting for, Order 66. Yeah. They straight up murdered people in a children's cartoon. Like, my God, that was brutal. That whole sequence with Ahsoka on uh, on one of the Star Destroyers, which, by the way, props to the team, the animation team, that made it look exactly like the Imperial Star Destroyer that had everyone in the Imperial uniforms ready for Palpatine to waltz his little ass in there. And take over. But, my God, the way that it was kind of just switched. And we get the idea of the clones had these inhibited chips that we'd learned from in Season 6. That Fives is one had uh, he'd been trying to look into that from his comrades malfunctioning. We now get to see the conclusion of that in Order 66. What were your thoughts on how that was presented? Um, Obviously... Basically, anything with Dave Filoni at the helm, yeah. I I feel I can sleep well at night <laughs> knowing that Star Wars, and you know, it was handled very well. Yeah. If you can't tell, we are like big Dave Filoni lovers. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, we love that yeah. man. If you look at George Lucas as the master, Dave Filoni is the apprentice. He's the Padawan, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. He's he's. I think at this point he's graduated the full Jedi Knight. Let's be honest. After yeah. this. But I think um, with with the Clone Wars, you know, as I said before, it explores so much more within this era of Star Wars. And, you know, it's it makes me so happy to see that, you know, in a way this has rectified the prequels, which don't have the best writing and they don't they don't have the best narrative, but they were working with such an amazing plot and you know, I love I love war films. Let's put it that way. It's <laughs> so true. Clo- it is Clone true. Wars. You know, I've 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 loved Clone Wars for a long time. Well, I say a long time. I only started watching it last year. Yeah. <laughs> you're back into it now. But... But yeah, but no, they they were working with such an amazing story and such an amazing era that you know, Clone Wars definitely rectifies you know what basically let down the prequels. Yeah, and it really, like we said earlier, legitimises them a lot yes, more yes. to those OG Star That's Wars fans. That's probably a better word, actually. So suck it, gatekeepers. This made the prequels good, in yes, my opinion. Did. And we, like we said, we always loved the prequels because we grew up on them. But for the for, to see this now really 
fill them out more. I feel there was pieces of the pie missing, whereas now we've really had them filled in properly. We've got that backstory of what was going on. I like that we get to see Anakin and Padme's relationship a lot more develop and grow. Yeah. And what was also developing and growing during uh, season seven? Padme's baby bump. Yes. Matt did turn to me at one point and go, how did he not know that she, she was pregnant? And I'm like, Anakin is a bit of a dum-dum. We've got to remember this. He's it's, not it's the in, sharpest it, tool in, in the shed. Episode two, to those who have seen the show, if you haven't, I advise you go back and watch it. If you haven't seen any of the seasons before that, you've got to catch up, I'm Yeah, if so, what are you doing listening to this podcast? We said spoilers, crack on. Exactly. So what happens in season two is they're in the middle of the Outer Rim sieges. Um, before they go on a mission, Anakin goes, I think it's into the clone's armory, and he makes yeah. out that, you know, he's expe- he's inspecting Rex's armor, Rex's armor, Rex's kit. Um, he has Rex guard the door, and what he's basically doing is calling Padme because they've been apart for several months. And you can see what looks like a visible baby bump. And she's resting her hands there. She as is. Well. She is. She's a very pregnant move, but at the <laughs> pregnant move. But I think what with Anakin as well, she, I was saying this is that women don't always reveal it right at the beginning because no. of the ability for miscarriages. And Anakin is on like the front lines. My theory is she wanted to wait until meet seeing Anakin once again in person to tell him. I was going to say, you, that's not something you want to tell your partner over the phone. By the way, I'm pregnant. You want to tell them, particularly if it's a happy moment, you want to tell them in person. And also that, that obviously then links into the Revenge of the Sith because she tells him then. But it's it shows that Filoni and the other uh, creatives have really thought about the timeline when she would have been pregnant. And if you watch Revenge of the Sith, all of her clothing is really baggy. Think about when they get to uh, when they come back from rescuing Palpatine. Yeah, her clothing is wide. The style of it, hide a baby bump. Yeah, right. That's what it does. So I think again, there's that fantastic link into the prequels and. You and I have both said that this is really taken something we loved and just made it even better. Same thing with seeing Maul. Seeing Darth Maul in this was amazing. He he is a fan-loved character, He's is Darth a, Maul. Because let's be honest, the Darth Maul fight is the only good part of Phantom, fa- Menace. Phantom Menace. I'm yeah. saying it now. Yeah, It's the only good part of the Phantom Menace and I loved seeing his obsession <laughs> with Obi-Wan. And we get the, you know, all the memes of I was hoping for Kenobi and all of that. I loved seeing that development and how Ahsoka letting him go to try and cause a distraction to get away from the clones trying to kill her and Rex. And that going into Rebels, which we will do a podcast on Rebels once we start. Well, you've started it. I have. I have, yeah. So we are going to do a podcast on Rebels. But overall, what are your thoughts on season seven? Uh, Just uh, final bits on it. Final bits. Um, Yeah, as I said earlier, um, this is definitely one of my favourite seasons next to season five. And yeah, just again, just as I said before, it's the fact that it ties in directly to Revenge of the Sith. And, you know, I love a good crossover. I do love a good crossover. I apologise if I'm repeating myself here. It's the fact that it crosses over with episode three and it's done so well. You know, that for me... I might have mentioned on a previous podcast, but my biggest pet hate when it comes to films or TV series 
is in continuity. We're looking at you, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, in continuity. I <laughs> can't stand it. I'm a stickler for that. So, you know, season seven, I was satisfied. <laughs> I, think, I think as well it was done so seamlessly. It wasn't yeah. shoved in there. It felt like, yeah, that's exactly what was going on. A little bit of trivia for people. If you go back and watch uh, a sequence in Revenge of the Sith, Anakin's looking at like one of the pads, like the tech pads, puts down Mandalore. There is a head cannon. That's him checking up on Ahsoka. Yes. And checking up on the reports in Mandalore. So that I... follows on from another vision of Padme dying in childbirth, where he's sitting down in her quarters and he's looking at something on the on the data yeah. pad. So I love that idea that we can hopefully get to see that more. I think season seven just did such a fantastic job. And again, we're, we're both so pleased with it. So the other thing I want to talk about with regards to Clone Wars is the fact that Dave Filoni is now working with Disney Plus and Jon Favreau on The Mandalorian, which was beautiful and absolutely amazing. And now in season two, we're going to get live action versions of animated characters. Yeah. I am freaking out here because we're getting Ahsoka Tano, my favourite Clone Wars character, one of my favourite cl- characters, characters of all time, played by Rosario Dawson, who's been campaigning for this for a while. And the fan art that I've seen of her as Ahsoka looks fantastic. Now, we've been talking about this for a little while and talking about theories that we have. And one of the theories that we have is at the end of season one is that um, Mando is going to try and find his fat is uh, try and find uh, the child, Baby Yoda's family or his species or something like it's kind of alluded to. He needs to find like his people, I think is the right word. And since him like uh, Jin Jaren is a foundling, he was found by the Mandalorians and they took him in. The possibility that we were thinking is another like him, is what he says, is because Ahsoka is technically a Jedi. Could that be the correlation? Is that we need to find another one that is a Force user? What's quite interesting is I recently, for the first time, watched the Star Wars Clone Wars movie that came out 12 years ago. And you see the way that... Ahsoka treats and handles Jabba's son when they rescue him. So it would be... So I I can definitely see her becoming a sort of, in a way, a surrogate mother, maybe, to the child. And one idea that we had is, I believe one of the episodes is specifically focused on Ahsoka. That's kind of the rumour that's going round from the titles that they've released. Yeah. And I'd have to look it up to remind myself of it. But it feels like she won't be in it for like the whole season. I think it will be one episode, maybe two episodes. And oh, I hope it's more. <laughs> I hope it's more. Trust me, I want more. I'm like, give me as much. I'd be happy if she went with them the whole time. But I think that he is going to give Baby Yoda to Ahsoka and then realise, oh no, that's my kid. Yeah. You know, that that's my child. And he has created this really incredible bond with him where I mean he couldn't leave him on that backwards planet in episode four of the first season. No. How is he gonna leave him with Ahsoka? Well you've also got to remember um 
in the Mandalorian code bind now binds them together. Which is mentioned in the very last episode, in the season one finale of The Mandalorian. So, you know, Din Djarin is technically now, by code and by, well, by The Mandalorian code, yeah. the child's father. Yeah, that's it. S- uh, chapter six is called The Sorcerer. Yeah. And we've seen this in the other, in the first season, is that the force to a lot of people is not a real thing they think it's no. it's not back like back in what we were talking about in the prequels where you know it was just kind of standardly seeing jedi running around using the force using lightsabers because it was seen as a strange thing they can do they're like what is this what is this weird thing that the kid can do my thinking is this is my out there theory is that ahsoka and i'm hoping they'll have like we said we want there to be more episodes with her in will maybe teach the little one just a little bit more about the force even if he talk, she like explained to mando about how the force works what it can do i don't think we're going to see baby yoda with a lightsaber anytime soon no, i genuinely don't no, think no, it's no, a no, thing no, no. but i'm hoping we're going to learn more about yoda's species where he comes from where this poor little kid who just dumped him on this backwards planet in the middle of nowhere I think that will be really interesting. I think Ahsoka will be the key to learning about that because she has the force. She has this ability to see insight, I think I want to call it. But I think that will be really the way that it will work out. Yeah. And something else I want to talk about, another character we're getting, Bo-Katan, the Duchess of Teen's sister. It makes a lot of sense. When... Bo-Katan was confirmed, played by Katie Sackhoff, who did voice her in The Clone Wars, was confirmed for The Mandalorian. It, it makes a lot of sense because really Bo-Katan does. is a Mandalorian. And, you know, you find at the end of The Mandalorian that Moff Gideon is in possession of the Darksaber. I would imagine that Bo-Katan coming into the events of The Mandalorian Season 2 is something to do with the Darksaber because I'm pretty sure I read up somewhere Moff Gideon stole it from her. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Because from what we have like knowledge of, I'm guessing she's the last person we know had the Darksaber other than Maul. Yeah. So I think that's where she's going to come to play and actually chapter three of season two is called The Bounty. So if it's her doing a bounty hunter um also she is kind of longing for the old mandalorian ways the death watch kind of style yeah the old armor she doesn't adhere to the strict codes of never taking the helmet off and whatnot well one of one of the questions is um obviously at the end of season seven when they kick maul out of mandalore he's captured by the republic and there's a hint that you know bo katan's going to take over as you know the last sort of leader like true leader true of leader of Mandalore and of Death Watch you don't really know what's happened with Mandalore during the age of the Empire you obviously yeah, know the Mandalorians have beef with the Empire because of events that have happened but you don't know whether Bo-Katan is still the, is still the head of the governing body of Mandalore yeah and also what that governing body looks like now because they were talking about in season seven that oh my sister tried one way and that didn't work and someone else tried another way and that didn't work so it's going to be 
interesting to see how Mandible recovers from the Empire. What has Bo-Katan been doing this whole time? Because she's not a politician. She's a soldier. No. More than anything. So I'm really excited to see how this comes into play with the Darksaber. I think the Darksaber is going to be a really big part of the next season. Yes. Because when we watched this last year... You and I were full-on gassed when we saw the Dark well, it was teased at the very last second of that episode. So you can't not expect it to be a big part of season two. No, it's got to be massive. And particularly with such a mysterious item as well. And it is such a big representation of the Mandalorian culture. I mean, even uh, Din Djarin says weapons are a part of my religion, are a part of that culture of being a Mandalorian. And having someone else who is not a Mandalorian have that weapon, I think is seen as a disgrace. It's seen as a failure. And yeah. it, it, Bo-Katan, I think, is going to be the one to want to reclaim it. And actually, now we're talking about other Mandalorians that are coming into play, the one that we were all suspecting and hoping, and this does link into the prequels because he is there, but he is a child. Yes. Boba Fett. Yes. We're getting Boba Fett, who I will say, I'll hold my hands up, I didn't really care for Boba Fett in the originals because he says like five lines. But he is a cool character. There's a cool concept. I even had the theory that in um, episode five, the gunslinger, when Ming-Na Wen's character's kind of just left in the desert for dead, you hear spurs walking towards her body. And there's only really one character in Star Wars that wears spurs on the back of their shoes, and that's Boba Fett. Yeah. So is he trailing Din Djarin? Is he after the kid? Is he after Baby Yoda? Because they said there was lots of different things that were given to them. How did he survive? Um, is it the Sarlacc? The Sarlacc pit, yeah. The Sarlacc pit. Like, that That guy has a jetpack, so he could easily just fly out of that mouth. But I don't know how he's going to play into this. And he's being, play, being played by the same actor that played Django Fett. I really f- don't... I don't know the name. I'm probably Tamar Morrison or something along those lines. Timit, Tamura Morrison, yeah. That's New it. Zealand actor. Matt is my uh, fact checker at the same time. I, I, I don't know if I pronounced his first name correctly. Tamura Morrison, yeah. Yeah. And to have him be able to play um, Boba Fett, again, it's that sweet, sweet continuity it when I are a stickler. Because, yeah, it makes a lot of sense because he is the clone child of Django Fett played by the same actor. Exactly. So I think it's going to be really exciting to be able to see how he's going to link in. I genuinely don't know how he's going to link in. I'm not sure. Um, Personally, it's one of the mysterious parts of the show that I do not know about. I, I actually, literally, have you got any ideas of how Boba Fett may jump in? Because I really am not sure. Um... I'm not sure either, but we obviously know he was teased in one of the episodes of The Mandalorian. So, you know, and he's, I think he's been confirmed as well. He has been so, confirmed, yeah. I mean, it, we're not really sure how he's going to tie in to the series. But, you know, being somebody who who is in possession of Mandalorian armour. And has worked for the Empire as well. So he he's going to have beef with maybe the Empire. Maybe he's going to have beef with... Din Djarin, Din Djarin yeah. and his um, like his I'm gonna say pals is the wrong word, but the uh, this is the way kind of that. But kind of group. we've also got to remember Boba Fett is a bounty hunter, as is Din Djarin. Maybe they're rivals. Who knows? Maybe 
there's something that maybe that links in there with I don't know wild theory maybe uh, Boba Fett was obviously hired to get Han was maybe something along those lines was Din Djarin hired at one point that we don't know about this they're keeping that very close to their chest yeah because I've had a look at some articles Hollywood Reporter and whatnot. they've just said that he will play a small role in right, season okay. 2 so maybe he's kind of tailing Din Djarin maybe he's picking up bounties that they don't Maybe he's taken over as the number one guy for the guild because Jack Jinjarin is busy trying to help Baby Yoda find his family. I think that's going to be a really intriguing part of the Mandalorian and how yes. we're getting more and more characters that we've seen in uh, in the Clone Wars. How that's going to come into play? Yeah. Is there going to be more? Because they've announced April 2020, so this is, what, three months ago now, they've already started pre-production for season three. Yeah. So they're doing everything they can to get this moving, which means they're already prepping things down the line. So we could see more characters. Because I haven't seen Rebels yet, so I don't know if Maul is dead after Rebels or if he's alive. Again, when we do Rebels, I'll keep you updated on that. But He is. Is he? Yeah, he is. Okay, that, that sucker cannot die. Uh, I haven't got up to that bit in Rebels, but I have seen what happens, and he finds Obi Wan, Alec Guinness Obi Wan, I might add. Yeah. It on Tatooine, and they have a conversation about are you protecting something or someone, and they basically have the quickest lightsaber fight probably in Star Wars yeah. history, lasting not even five seconds. Interesting. And yeah, Obi Wan. Yeah, Obi Wan kills Maul in Rebels. Thus, I'm guessing avenging Duchess Satine. Okay. But obviously, you know, Obi Wan has been probably one of the most loyal Jedi around. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see of where they go because obviously they did go to Tatooine in in the first season. Are they going to go any other way familiar for us? That's another thing about it. Are we going to go to? Cabin 4, are we going to go to any other locations? Could we get some characters from the original trilogy even, maybe? Tying in, or even if we saw glances of the New Republic and how that's being built with Leia as a, as a senator, how that plays into effect. I think it'll be really great. Also, we can have some more Clone Wars cameos because Matt Lanter shows up in episode 6 and my little heart was happy as well. <laughs> so I think that will be a really great way to tie in more of the animated characters and making them live action, particularly with John Favreau and Dave Filoni as these new fantastic partners together. And finally, if we're going to talk about uh, Clone Wars and it ending and how it's moving forward, I think it was only like last week we had the announcement that the Lucasfilm animations are going to be doing the Bad Batch, as in yeah. the Bad, is it Clo uh, Clone Troop at uh, 99? So this is from the first, like, three episodes? Four episodes? Three, um, the first, um, I think, episodes two to four. Yeah, of, um, of Clone Wars in season seven, we got this really fun kind of gaggle of people, of rejects, if you want to call them that. They are defective clones who have become basically the special forces of the Grand Army of the Republic. Yeah. They're the SAS of the, of the Republic, Yeah, basically. so they've, they've each got individual skills. Like, you've got, um, I think his name is Wrecker, who he's 
you know, he's built like a brick shit house. Is he the is he the one that always wants to blow stuff up? Yeah. That guy, yeah. That's him. (laughs) I think what's really exciting about this is that it's because the clones obviously they're clones, whilst they all have individual personality, we all love fives, we love ninety nine, we love Rex. We're gonna get to see people that are very, very different and aren't your typical soldiers. And now Echoes join them as well, as we saw at the end of that arc in season seven. So we're going to have a trooper that we knew as well going into that. And how they're going to now function during the Empire. Because all of, I'm guessing all of the clones end up becoming stormtroopers. Because they've been, they've been brainwashed that way. And it's this idea of how are they going to go through like covert... I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be like undercover missions, most likely. Because it's set during the Empire. How yeah. are they going to actually... My guess is... You know, being defective clones, they probably didn't have the chips embedded in them. I agree. So, you know, they're this they're this group of maybe outlaws, possibly, who like rebels are sort of getting by during getting by in the galaxy during the Empire era and basically messing things up for the Empire. According to StarWars.com, because that is a source that we have an official source that says, in the post-Clone War era, they will take on daring mercenary missions as they struggle to stay afloat and find new purpose. So it is that, almost like that Mandalorian vibe where you've got these gaggling people that don't quite know where they fit in yet. They're taking on mercenary missions. Maybe we'll see it at t- maybe towards the end of the first season, even in the second season. We'll get to see them maybe join the Rebellion. Maybe. That would be really exciting to see them maybe become like a special ops version of the early years of the Rebellion. Because I'm not sure when the rebellion starts. To be honest, in the later years, I, I don't know the exact year, but it's it's. I think it's over a decade after the empire was first formed. Okay. I, I could be wrong about that. Um, so it could be a way of them saying, maybe even seeing them build up to forming the rebellion. It could be this. It's a really interesting thing because we don't know much, and as someone that is. I grew up on Star Wars, I'll give you that. But at the same time, I'm not one of those people that is, like, I know every single part of the canon. I'm, I'm not as knowledgeable as that. So for me, it's going to be really exciting to see these in-between sections. Yeah. Of, we're getting new information about uh, this period. Because also, we have Anakin as Darth Vader. You've seen him kind of mourn Ahsoka now. Mourn, if you want to put that in inverted commas at the the very last shot of clone wars because he knows this bad batch he may see them as a trigger to going back to anakin skywalker back to the light probably not but i think it would just be a really intriguing idea it says here that the rebel alliance was founded in 2 bby so yeah we've got a while we've got a while but even if we get to see them with like bail organa like yeah. We start to yeah. see things moving a bit more. We get to see people that we know about. Akbar, maybe. It says here that apparently Ahsoka Tano was a spy master. Yeah, I, th- I think she did do things for the rebellion. So, as did a lot of Jedi after uh, who survived Order sixty six. So we know that we don't know a lot about this show yet. We only know from what we've seen in season seven and that really brief announcement of taking on mercenary missions. But please let us know what your thoughts are on this by leaving comments on this recording, leaving us comments on Instagram, because we we are genuinely interested since we are not entirely sure what's going on. And as we get more information, I think it'll be really exciting to see 
where this is going. And it's not coming out until next year, so we've got a while. But again, we've got The Mandalorian to tie us over for a little bit. I want to say to everyone, thank you so much for listening to this fourth episode of Real Talk. We know we've been away for a while due to global pandemics and not being able to record as much, but we're back now. We're going to try and do quite a few episodes on new things coming out, Star Wars, Marvel... Um, film related as we start to get uh, the cinemas opening up again at the end of the month Mm -hmm. and hoping to talk more about news to do with TV and film and thank you so much Matt for coming back on the show I kind of drag him into these more than anything (laughs) but thank you for supporting the show and continuing to listen to the show and please stick around for more episodes coming soon you can follow Matt on Instagram at MatthewTyrrell underscore. Mm-hmm. You can follow me at KatiePayne97. And you can follow uh, the show at RealTalkPod on Instagram as well. And again, just to say a huge thank you and we'll see you next time.